Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I am the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. And I'm with you for this hour of the program where you get to call in and talk to me and ask your questions about the Bible or Christian living or our worldview about things that are going on around us. And there is a lot going on. And it's important for us to have a biblical worldview and what the Scripture says that we are to live. I think about how Peter, he says that as we know that we're in the last days, what manner of men ought we to be living in holiness? And so uh, give me a call. I'd love to take you to the Scriptures, talk with you, encourage you in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard that number, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, and you can call and be on the air, and we all have, uh, well, we have all open lines right now, so please uh, grab one of those open lines. I know it's spring break for a lot of people right now. I know here in northern Colorado in Greeley, a lot of people are traveling or perhaps just gone or taking it easy. Uh, the university's on spring break, the school districts. But I'd love to talk with you. So if you have an opportunity to give me a call, please do so. All open lines, 303-690-3000 is that call-in number that will get you to me, and we can talk on the air. And then there's another way for you to communicate a question or a prayer request, and that's through a dedicated text line, and that's a different number, 720-336-0897. Put those numbers in your contact, and would love to... Um, just be able to answer your questions. If you uh, need to text, text in a prayer request and uh, be able to uh, ask your questions during the show. We will look to that as we have times, but uh, to do that and as we're filling in the gaps on the uh, phone calls, but the phone calls are really uh, what the heart of the show is all about. So I'd love to talk with you want to welcome all those who are listening on Grace FM. It's the 13th of March, this Monday afternoon, as for many of you, you start another work week, perhaps, and uh, I just pray that you're doing well. We're getting closer to spring, uh, another week or so, and, and we'll be there officially, even though it still feels cold and we got a couple nice days coming, which is nice, but um, looking forward to the change of season. And uh, always look forward to spring coming, getting away from the uh, dog days of winter, and the days are getting longer. We had a time change. Uh, that's a sign of spring. And I noticed uh, coming into church today that just a little bit of green in the grass. And uh, so uh, we're going to get there. And uh, perhaps you are going through a season spiritually where it's been cold, where it's just kind of been dark. Or maybe perhaps it just, um, you know, just kind of frosty in your heart. And uh, just love to be able to encourage you. And sometimes we go through different seasons in our lives spiritually. And and uh, but don't don't pull away from the Lord. Draw close to the Lord. And 
I was thinking about that as preparing for a message uh, that um, I'll be given in the book of Philippians. So give me a call. Love to encourage you in that direction and let you know that the Lord loves you and he's still working in your life and he won't leave you as an orphan and uh, he desires to work in a way where spring's going to come in your heart. New life, a new growth, um, just a newness that comes. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Give me a call. And uh love to talk with you. Text line 720-336-0897. And also would like to just welcome all those who are listening on Radio by Grace uh, all throughout the country. So many stations, over 70 of them. I'd love to hear from you guys. Radio by Grace, you're listening live today on this Monday, the 13th of March. And then also those of you online, you can call anywhere in the country at that number I just gave to you. 303-690-3000. And then I want to shout out to Hope FM listeners on the East Coast, Truth FM listeners, and Higher Rock Radio uh, in Idaho. Your week delay just simply means give me a call. We'll talk, and then you can listen to it next week. So got a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines. Let's go to Carol in Brighton. Hi, Carol. You're on Calvary Live. Thank you. My son went to church yesterday, taking his New International Version, and Mm -hmm. the preacher was using the King James, and I looked it up in the New King James, and it seems to be the same. We're talking about Mark 6, verse 11, after Jesus had sent out, or as Jesus sent out the twelve, and he told them, you know, not to take bread or bag of money, Mm -hmm. and then to stay in one place, and if they they won't hear you, to shake the dust off your sandals. Right. Now, in the King James, there's an added sentence that I, I don't find in any other version, and it's not in the New International Version, so when the preacher said... He was reading it, and that last sentence says, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city, the city that has rejected them. Yes. And Where that's in verse that 11. Come from? I mean, he, he said, he, he just looked up and he looked around, and several other people must have had different versions, because I can't find it in any other version except the King James and the New King James. Yeah, and the short answer is this, and um, I don't, do you have your radio on, Carol? Because I'm, okay, I'm just getting a little feedback there, that's better. Um, But the, the NIV and the New King James used in their translations, and I'm not an expert on translations and all that, but I do know this that they use different ancient manuscripts to, to for their translations. And so the NIV actually used an older uh, set of ancient manuscripts for their translations. And then um, what you have is the King James, the New King James, used another set of ancient manuscripts. There was more of them. And so you have some verses that perhaps are absent in the NIV, um, that is in the New Testament. You see that, um, but that's the the short of the answer. They just use different ancient manuscripts to do their translations, and um, you know you can kind of look it up and do a lot of reading on it and everything. 
Um, but that's the, the gist of it. Uh, they just use different ancient translations. Um, the King James, New King James, there was a lot of ancient manuscripts in the source that they use. Uh, the NIV was actually older manuscripts, but not as many. So I, I think that there are good translations. There's a few things that are omitted, and um, and that's what you see, and that's why the differences. But the ESV is the same way. It leaves off that. And is I guess he was asking me, and I said, you know, I have no idea, but I kind of wonder if it's something like we would say, holy cow or something, <laughs> and it's not really, I mean, it's it's more for emphasis than for accuracy, but that doesn't yeah. sound right either. Well, you, you do make an important point, because I think that, you know, some people call and say, well, this is uh, admitted. It doesn't change the context of what's being said. And um, when you see that portion of Scripture that is missing, um, it is, you know, um, something that, again, you can research it and stuff, but it doesn't really change the context of him sending out the twelve and and what the commission was for them to do to go out to the lost sheep of Israel. So they just used different ancient manuscripts. The Bible, here's the thing, Carol, the Bible still is very, very accurate, more accurate than any other uh, human writings uh, when it comes to ancient manuscripts. Uh, it is so uh, accurate that um, that we can trust it. And people will come along and say, well, see, that's an example the Bible has been changed. The Bible hasn't been changed. Uh, we can trust in the canon of Scripture, and you can compare the number of ancient manuscripts that the Bible um, has, uh, because we don't have the originals, uh, you know, books and, and letters, uh, epistles and things like that. But we know that the Bible is very, very accurate. It doesn't change the meaning or the context of what is being said, so we can still have confidence you know, in, in in these translations, and we can have confidence in the ancient manuscripts that they came from. If if a town or village knew that they were going to be treated like Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, I, I mean, it would make you sit up and take notice, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Jesus did say that he pronounced that judgment on Capernaum and. Um, and the other places as well, in Luke's Gospel and other places, uh, it's more than just in Mark chapter 6. He gave that warning. He said, you know, that you, you saw the miracles. Um, here was Capernaum, the town of Jesus, that he he's saying, woe to you, Capernaum, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazin. You know, they had the, the creator of the universe, that was with them, and yet you did not believe. And he talks about the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, you know, that Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented a long time ago. So there was other times that, and other places that he would speak of that. I thank you very much. Thank you for calling, Carol. Good good observation. Oh, you can thank my son. He's the one who <laughs> okay. brought it up. <laughs> well, good, good. Okay. God bless you. You too. 
303-690-3000. Yeah, there are some, you know, little differences in the translations in IV and New King James and King James, and they're just different, um, you know, translations from different sources of ancient manuscripts. But the Bible's still very, very accurate. You can do a study in the canon of Scripture, how it was written, the ancient manuscripts. Uh, we can trust the Bible. The Dead Sea Scrolls uh, that they found, uh, the whole book of Isaiah, the Old Testament, uh, 200 B.C. dated, and you can read that scroll that's uh, dated 200 B.C., and it's just like what's in your Bible. Maybe some spelling, some, um, you know, d- you know, just uh, punctuation, things like that. Uh, but it really is quite amazing. A good book to read is Evidence That Demands a Verdict, where Josh McDowell goes over the canon of Scripture and the different manuscripts that they came from and how reliable they are. And uh, I needed to know that when I was, um, you know, seeing if, hey, is the Bible trustworthy? And it is very trustworthy. And not only in the ancient manuscripts that uh, that were copied, uh, we can owe the scribes very much a, uh, you know, great thanks for their careful um, copying of the scriptures, but also the prophecy that is there as well. The, The Bible is an amazing, amazing book. One author uh, human authors, there's like uh, several of them, over 40, I believe, uh, in the 66 books. But it's just one harmonious harmonious message that we have in the Scripture. So uh, it's incredible, and it is inspired by God, all of it, from Genesis to Revelation. 303-690-3000, when somebody hangs up, you know you have an open line. And the text line, 720-336-0897. We're going to go to South Florida, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how are you? Good. How are things in South Florida? Is it warm? It is warm. It is green yeah. and kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was there in Orlando a couple weeks ago to see my daughter, and it's freezing here in Colorado, and it was so nice to be in warm weather. And so, you know, it was it was yeah. a blessing to, to be in your state and uh, to be able to visit her. So I appreciate you calling. Yeah, I believe that. Actually, I heard something about Colorado that was very interesting yesterday, that I heard that if you open the door, bugs tend to fly in very quickly because it's so warm inside, like bumblebees and stuff, and they didn't know that. (laughs) Well, we didn't have bumblebees. They're not out. None of the bugs are out. It's too cold. Oh, wow. That's cool. (laughs) What can I do for you today? Um, so my question is, I, I go to a Calvary Chapel down here in Fort Lauderdale, and I had a, a brother in Christ who was coming here for many years, um, and then due to being backslidden, um, he was kind of doing his own thing, and then somebody from a Church of Christ came up to him and invited him to uh, do a Bible study, in which case he kind of got really zealous for his faith and really rededicated, but now he's kind of going around saying, like, this is when I've been saved for the first time, I wasn't saved before, and that I need to be baptized, that, like, um, that he was baptized a third time, once as a baby, once as a believer at Calvary, then a third time as a believer at his new church. And now he kind of started going around telling some of my other brothers and sisters in Christ that we weren't saved, and that we needed to be baptized to be saved. And I just kind of wanted some guidance on how to handle this, because it got to the point where a lot of the other um, brothers and sisters at the church were like, all right, we're not going to hang out with him anymore. He's completely gone into like what we believe is a Christian cult. But I feel in my heart to just continue to 
to be around him. And we have we had today lunch, and it was a great discussion at first. Good. But then in our hearts, at the end, it became that same discussion of you need to be baptized to be saved. No, you don't. And yeah. I want some guidance. Yeah. yeah. And you want to be able to, to show him in the scriptures, because it is a false teaching, that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And, you know, we get calls once in a while, and they'll say, you know, they'll pull out a verse from Mark's Gospel or the book of Acts chapter 2 and, you know, say that you have to be saved. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The first thing that he needs to understand, there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves in order to be saved. We cannot earn salvation. Uh, That is a fundamental truth of the gospel. Jesus paid it all. And, And that's where you need to bring him to what Paul declares in the book of Romans, what Paul declares in the book of Galatians, that a man is not justified by the works of the law. And we know that there are those who will come along and say, well, you have to be baptized in order to be justified, or you have to worship on this certain day in order to be justified, or you have to to go to this church in order to be justified. And what that's doing is that it's undermining the work that Jesus did on the cross. When he was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. He did the work. He paid the price. And you can go through, for example, and, and you might just kind of jot some of these things down. You can go through like uh, the the doctrine of justification in Romans chapters 3, 4, and 5. You can underline those, those um, verses that tell us that we are justified freely by His grace um, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We can't earn salvation. There's nothing that we can do as far as works in and of ourselves to earn salvation. Either it's finished or it's not. Jesus didn't say it's partly finished, or if you don't get baptized, you're finished. He said it is finished. I did the work. I paid the price. And think about this, Ryan. I think this is important for all the listeners to understand. How can we stand before the Lord and say that the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, it wasn't enough. It was up to me to finish it. Uh, I mean, our it, that's just an offense to the gospel. And it made Paul's blood boil when there are those who came into the church. In his day, he was dealing with the Judaizers. Have you ever heard of the Judaizers? I think so, with the circumcision. Yeah, they were saying that you are not saved unless you become circumcised. This is what you have to do. You have to be cut. And Paul comes along in Galatians chapter 1, it's, it's the early epistle, and he says right away that I marvel that you're turning away from the gospel to another, which is not the gospel. Uh, and he has some very, very direct things to say to those Judaizers, the legalists that were coming in behind Paul's ministry. And they were saying, well, that's fine and dandy that you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but if you really want to be saved, you have to be circumcised. Now, does that sound familiar? If you really want to be saved, you have to be baptized. If you really want to be saved, you have to be baptized in the right way. You have to be baptized uh, in this church. If you got baptized at Calvary Chapel, that doesn't happen. I mean, that's not the gospel. That's another gospel, which is not the another. And Paul in Galatians, he says, 
he says, if anyone preaches another gospel than what we have preached, let him be accursed. That's where he's very direct. He goes and he says, "He's who's bewitched you? You know, who has fooled you, you foolish Galatians? Um, why do you seek to be justified in the flesh? What has begun in the spirit, why do you try to perfect in the flesh? So he, he gives them the definition of the gospel, and he defends the gospel that a man is justified by not by any works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ alone. So you read the book of Romans particularly, and and the whole of the New Testament shows us this, and you read the book of Galatians, and we are justified freely by faith in him. It is faith alone. It is Christ alone. And and again, you can go through Romans chapter 5, you can underline where uh, chapter 5, he says several times we are justified freely in Romans chapter 5. Let me read some of it to you real quick, and then I'll make some other points that I think you're going to see that that is not biblical to be, um, you know, justification doesn't come by being baptized. But in chapter 5, he goes on and he says that it is the free gift, it's not the offense the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. That is, as we have salvation. The free gift, again, the next verse, which comes through many offenses, resulted in justification. That's verse 16, verse 17. And of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through one, Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 18, man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. Um, I don't know how more clear it can be. It is a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2, we're not saved by works. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So baptism doesn't bring salvation at all. The other thing, too, you can point them out in Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and Paul says, you know, I baptized a few, uh, Stephanus and a few others, Crispus and Gaius, as you read chapter 1. Besides, I, I don't know whether I baptize any other. And then he says this in verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom's words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. Why would Paul say that? Why would he say that if baptism was necessary for justification? He wouldn't say that. But here's the other thing, too. Read Acts chapter 15. The Jerusalem Council, Paul and Barnabas and the guys, they come from Antioch into Jerusalem to meet with Peter, James. And there was even a sect of the Pharisees that were there. And they were saying, you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the law of Moses. But as they came to the conclusion, they said, let's tell the Gentile believers that what they're to do is to abstain from meat offered idols, you know, from uh, blood, from, um, you know, things that are strangled, and from immorality. And if they do this, they do well. And it wasn't for the sake of justification. It was for the sake of sensitivity and love. They were coming out immorality. You know, it was uh, a stumbling block for the um, other believers, Jewish believers particularly, uh, meet offered to idols, things like that. But they didn't say anything about baptism, didn't say anything about the Sabbath, didn't say any of those things. Matter of fact, Peter says that, you know, we'll be saved um, 
just as the Gentiles are being saved. So there's a very, very strong case, is what I'm saying, of justification by faith alone, by Christ alone, not by baptism. Uh, Baptism is important, but it doesn't bring salvation. And then you can go to the Gospels, and you can see Jesus said to the thief on the cross, you remember? Yeah, I do. And I've brought that up to him, in fact, um, about you'll be in paradise with me tonight, and he wasn't baptized. And he brings up an argument about how because Jesus was still alive, at the time, the work wasn't finished, so it's a different rule set, and it just kind of gets out of yeah. hand, the excuses. Um, so I'm almost at yeah. a point where I'm praying whether or not I should even be around him. But thank well, you. What was I, the verse with the baptism? Oh, sorry, go ahead. In First Corinthians chapter 7. One other thing that you might show him is Luke chapter 7, okay? Remember the woman who's known as a sinner came and fell at his feet and was weeping and drying his feet, um, you know, washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. What did Jesus say to her? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's a powerful, you know, account there of justification. Your faith has saved you. As she was going out the door, I don't think Jesus said, oh, wait a minute, you know, you have to be baptized. And, And to say that, well, the rules got changed afterwards. It just, it's confusing. It's not biblical. All you can do is give him the scriptures and we can pray for him and um, and hopefully that the truth will be opened up to him. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, can we go ahead and pray for your friend? Yes, please. Father, I thank you for Ryan. He's trying to minister to his friend. And, and Lord, we know that we are justified freely by faith in you, by your grace. Um, we cannot earn salvation. How can we say that we can complete uh, what was unfinished on the cross? It, it's an offense to the cross. And Lord, um, Jesus paid it all. He did it all on the cross and rising from the grave. And now we come in faith and we're justified by faith. And I pray that his friend would come to understand that. We know that baptism is an important step in a believer's life of, of you know, uh, identifying with Christ and making that public declaration. But it's a declaration that I am saved, not that I I have to do this in order to be saved. And so, Lord, I just pray for his friend that the truth would come, his eyes be opened up. He would come to, to truly know the freedom, the liberty that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to to give some things for him to think about. Yeah, I definitely will try. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You bet, Ryan. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Hey, we're getting close to the break. We got uh, an open line. We'll we'll go to the lines in just a little bit as we pick up the phone calls. Um, but listen, it's very very important that we minister to others when somebody comes along and says. This is what you have to do in order to be saved. Uh, you know they're on the wrong path. What, the, we can't do anything. We cannot merit salvation. We cannot earn salvation. What we are to do is to humble ourselves, come in just brokenness and humility, and say, Jesus, I need you. And I come and I surrender my life to you. Um, we are to repent. We are to turn direction and recognize their need for him, but Jesus did it all. And when somebody comes along and says, you have to be baptized, or you have to observe the Sabbath, or you have to 
join this church or whatever the case may be. That is not the gospel. And Paul says it's another gospel. And so we want to get people um, that uh, understand that it is faith alone and it is Christ alone um, because— and then they go around saying, well, you weren't baptized in, in this church. Baptism, listen, is important. I don't want you to go away thinking that it's not. It's an important step in the life of a believer to identify with Christ in this newness of life, Romans chapter 6, a proclamation that I am saved. Um, it's wonderful, and we do baptisms here. And we encourage people, when you've made us you know, come to faith in Christ, uh, be baptized. But it's a declaration that I am saved. And that I've, I've coming out of the water, uh, I'm in that new resurrected life, and uh, I identify in the newness of life. So, three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Hey, um, if you can grab one of those open lines, the only break at the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. You just heard those numbers uh, that you can give us a call or text us a prayer request or um, a question. And if we have time, we'll go to the text line. But We have full lines right now. We're going to go to the phone lines in just a minute. But I do want to remind you that uh, we have Holy Week that is coming uh, very, very soon. In about three weeks, less than three weeks, is Palm Sunday, and then Holy Week, and then Good Friday, and then Resurrection Weekend. In many churches, maybe your church is holding special services, extra services. I know that uh, we will be doing... Uh, on Palm Sunday, I'll be doing a special uh, message from uh, the Gospel of Luke. And then on Good Friday at noon, uh, we'll be looking at Luke's account of the crucifixion. And then four services, Saturday and Sunday, Resurrection Weekend. Um, it will be looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, but I would encourage you, pray about who you might invite. I think it's really important for us as Christians to invite others to church to come and hear the gospel, to hear um, the good news that the tomb is empty, to hear what Jesus did in dying on the cross for our sins. And, you know, we can we can reach people with social media, with radio. Those are very effective tools to reach people with the gospel and the word of God. But I think that a personal touch, somebody who, who invites, you know, um, a friend, a relative, a family member, say, hey, will you come to church? And uh, and hear the gospel. Uh, that personal touch is so important. Maybe your church has some invitations that are printed up. We printed up a bunch of invitations, and a bunch of people took them yesterday. And to invite and say, "Hey, I'd love to see you come out on Good Friday. I'd love to see you come out on Palm Sunday or Resurrection Weekend." And just pray about who you could reach out and invite. I heard once on Grace FM. Uh, Greg Glory, who gave us statistics, and it just stuck in my mind. Uh, it was a, a while back, a year or two ago, 
but a survey was done and, and the survey indicated that a vast majority of Christians have never invited somebody to church, like 80%, if I remember. And, and that was, uh, really sobering to hear that. Invite somebody to church, invite somebody to, you know, to hear the gospel and to minister to them in that way. And so I pray that you would really think about who you might invite to those special services. Um, we're going to go back to the phone lines, and we do have uh, full lines. Let's go to Karen in Texas, if she's there. Karen? Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Um, I'll try to speak quickly and then just turn it over to you. Um, so um, I was listening to something called The Bridge, and the regular pastor was gone, and there was some young whippersnapper, fine gentleman, I'm sure, there, and they were discussing um, the the point of uh, male leadership in in the pastorate and pastoring churches and and the, the women are not to take that role and and I'm not a women's liver I'm I'm a hundred percent the Bible is a hundred percent true inerrant mm-hmm. perfect and all but um, I had you know I had a couple of questions and then they they cut off my line so that they could answer and then just move on and I couldn't clarify so I thought man I can't wait to talk to Pastor Ed to just to see to help me so I gave the example. Um, um, well, what if um, a husband, say a husband and wife, say they've both been to Bible college, they both have the same education, the same talents, same abilities, and they've gone into the deep, dark jungle, and they've started a church all by themselves, not backed up by any church that can pick up the pieces. They're doing it, and people do that, and, and, and they're winning people to Christ. He dies of something, and um, um, she's an it's not okay for her to go on and, and lead that little church and teach. And he said, absolutely not. She needs to pack up and go home. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, and then I, and then it was so, so I couldn't get further in further questions in. And I was like, is that really what the scripture means? I mean, I know what it says, but I mean, well, can I see nurse? Yeah, Karen. And I think what, what we need to do is just see what the scripture says. You're bringing up some um, hypothetical situations that, you know, indeed are, um, you know, very unique. And uh, we do know what the Bible has to say. And and by the way, I'm not Pastor Ed. Uh, he hosts other days, but I'll try to answer uh, in a way that Pastor Ed would, and that's from the Bible. And one is, is that um, the Bible speaks of the role of the position of an elder is to be the husband of one wife. I think we see that in the New Testament, that that position of an elder, a pastor, a shepherd is to be, um, is to be the man. God's intention is for him to have that, that position and that role. So here at Calvary Chapel, we do not have women that are in the role of a pastor, of an elder, because we believe from 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, that that's what the New Testament says. But with that said, that women can teach in in the church. We have women that teach other women. The older women are to admonish the younger women. I don't teach a, a ladies' Bible study. Uh, we have leaders, la- ladies that are leaders that teach the Bible study. We have ladies that teach children's ministry. They're very, very good teachers, and and women are very capable. Um, I really appreciate their ministry, their roles here at the church. We couldn't minister in the way that we do 
without them using the gift of teaching and, and teaching um, in different capacities. But when it comes to the role of the pastor, um, it, it's reserved for men. And um, I've had, for example, uh, a marriage conference where my wife would come alongside of me and she would teach as well. So, you know, there is opportunities for women to teach. But when it comes to that position, uh, when it comes to that role of the pastor, the elder, the, sh- the uh, bishop, uh, whatever term you want to use, I believe that the Bible does say that it's reserved for the men. And uh, oftentimes there will be those who will point out Paul writing to Timothy saying, women are to be silent in the church and they sh- shouldn't teach at all. Well, you know, that's not what Paul is saying. He's speaking about authority. He's speaking about, um, you know, the proper roles of men and women in the church. And that's the main emphasis that we see there. So hopefully that helps. Okay. Well, yeah, yes, it does. But um, to take it one step further, um, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and, and men taught the little boys and women taught the little girls, so they could ask questions, and, and it was just more appropriate that way um, when we divided up, divided up to go to class after, you know, the, the, uh-huh. and the departmental part of it. And um, so is it all right to, you know, when you're talking about teaching, uh, he, that was something else he says, women are not to teach men, so Beth Moore can't is not supposed to teach. She's a good teacher, but she's not supposed to teach men, like if they're in her in her audience or whatever. And I'm okay with all that, but does that also mean that a, a woman can't witness to a man and lead him to Christ? Of course she can. Of course she can. You see that example with Aquila and Priscilla in that couple in the New Testament that came alongside of Paul and Corinth that were tent makers, and Aquila and Priscilla, it's interesting that Aquila oftentimes in the New Testament is listed first, which is very unusual for the woman. But we see that she had a powerful ministry. She had a ministry with her husband in witnessing. They witnessed to Apollos, and Apollos became a powerful early church leader, bringing the gospel to them. So, of course, a woman can be used to bring the gospel to a man. We're talking about the position in in the church of the elder um, is reserved for um, the 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 man, the husband of one wife, and women are very capable to be able to teach. They're very smart. I, I am very impressed in the insights of some of the the ladies that teach the Word of God. My wife, she ministers to me. Oftentimes, I'll come downstairs. She's having her devotion, and she'll say that you know the Lord put this you know on my heart, and she'll share it. And it's like that's really good. You know, that that really ministered to me. So, of course, they, they can minister and bring people to Christ and be used in that way and, and minister. So, um, you know, um, I think it's just a proper uh, place in, in, you know, balance of of being used of the Lord and, and what roles and, and responsibilities are that God has given us in the body of Christ in the church. The Lord doesn't say that a woman can't be a CEO, can't be, you know, a university professor, can't, you know, be any of those things. Um, and women are very, very intelligent, and they're smart, and God can use them. But we do see that role of the husband of one wife that is in the church as an elder, a pastor, as described in First Timothy 3 and, and Titus chapter 1. Okay? 
Okay. Hopefully good. that Thanks. helps, Karen. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully that that's a blessing to you. So, all right. I'm sorry three. I your name wrong. <laughs> oh, that's all right, Karen. If I'll be called something, I don't mind being mixed up with Pastor Ed. He's such a good friend and he's being used of the Lord in such a wonderful, wonderful way. Just what a blessing he is to me. 303-690-3000. Call in number, text line 720-336-0897. Just so there's no confusion, Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley having the privilege to be able to be with you today and and talk with you and answer your questions and pray with you. Let's see where we're going next. We're going to go to Denver with Roy. Hi, Roy. Oh, hello. <laughs> How are you? All of a sudden, the, the radio went out. It it, it does that. <laughs> it does that. Yeah. You're on Calvary I, Live. Yeah. Okay. Well, the radio part went away. I don't oh, know okay. why. It doesn't matter. Um. I got a couple of things I'd like to share, and uh-huh. some of it has to do with faith, like faith like a mustard seed. I had a great conversation with Ed, no, wait, Dennis, uh, waiting to get on the phone with you mm-hmm. about, about that, you know, and I'm not so sure the seed can germinate. I left, uh, I was pre-ministerial, I left. Well, let's put it this way. Then there was the war and the flesh and all that. And so recently, maybe three weeks, when I'm in the car, I tune in and try and listen to St. Paul. And uh, I didn't mention it. I'm pretty much downtrodden on so many dimensions. I'm not going to get into all that. But one thing I'm looking for is long-term care. And Mm -hmm. the the VA has been bouncing around with that. And someone suggested, well, why don't you try St. Paul? So just today, St. Paul, that sounds good. I called up and spoke to a lady there and all that. um, So back to faith. (laughs) That's the question. And probably that was the question this is the war start. I was pre-seminary and uh, oh, got sick. I lost my two S department. It's been a bumpy road ever since. And I'm so sorry. Well, I'm still here, which is the best thing. I well, that's what I say a lot. How you doing? Yeah. Still here. Yeah, you are still there, and you know God's working, and you're looking for the long term. You know, care, um, you said at the VA, so I assume that you're a veteran, and I thank you for your service. And um, But you know what? The Lord um, desires to work in your life. And, you know, faith is something, as you know, you mentioned, uh, as small as a mustard seed, you, you may be looking. And, uh, and just to have that faith, um, you know, the Lord is there. He knows, but we're but dust. And it reminds me of a story that's recorded in the Gospels, I believe it's in Mark's Gospel, um, that there Jesus came down from the Mount of, uh, of Transfiguration, and there was a man that was there with a the son that was demonized. He was just going through it. And the disciples could not cast out this, this demon that was in this, this man's son. And, and when he saw Jesus, 
this father goes to Jesus and said, please, can you help? And Jesus said, all things are possible if you believe. And the man responded by saying, I believe, but there's unbelief. And I think that that can happen to us a lot of times. And that's all the Lord wanted uh, in the honesty of his heart to be able to just say, hey, I believe, but there's some unbelief that is there. And I think that a lot of us go through that in life. And the Lord, you know, would do a work in healing. And the Lord would do a work in in uh, delivering that young man. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is in the honesty of your heart, as you come and you say, Lord, I'm trying to get back on track. Know that he hears you and he loves you and he wants to work in your life and you can trust him. And and he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that he is working in your life. And I believe that he continues to just press upon your heart uh, that he's there because you're calling and you're thinking about these things. He's speaking to your heart and he wants to work and and. You can just come to that place of just saying, hey, Lord, I I know I believe, but there's some unbelief that is there. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to look to you. And I know your promises are are true for for me. And um, and we're just going to pray that you get that long-term care um, and that it isn't. I know it can be a big hassle uh, trying to look and trying to figure out what's going to happen. But day by day, moment by moment, just trusting in him and what he wants to do in your life. So, Father, I do pray. I just pray that um, that for Roy here is he is called, and uh, he 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 needs you, and he would know that you are there with him. You promise you never leave us or forsake us. That you would draw him to you, and Lord, that you would just um, there's belief. I, I I know there is. Otherwise, he wouldn't be calling. But, Lord, in our lives when we doubt and when we falter and when we become weak, um, Isaiah says that you don't break a, a, a bruised reed. You don't quench a smoking flax. But, Lord, I just pray, show him your compassion, your provision, that you would draw him to yourself, that you would just work in his life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Roy, I'm going to be praying for you. Okay. All right. You know, the, the ministry of the Lord uh, is Isaiah. I love those verses that he doesn't break a bruised reed and he doesn't quench a smoking flax. And in those times where he feel just bruised, you know, the Lord doesn't come along and say, why aren't you, you know, we hear be on fire and be strong for the Lord. And I do want to be strong for the Lord. I want to be on fire in my heart for the Lord, but sometimes I'm not. And sometimes when we're hurting and when we're confused and we have need and we're wondering and struggling, he doesn't break a bruised reed. He doesn't come along and just stomp on us or he, you know, doesn't dump a bucket of water on our hearts, you know, because we're smoldering. But he, he cups your heart, if you would, and fans the flame back as we just trust in him. You know, he wants to, to bind us up. Uh, he wants to minister to us. And I hope that's an encouragement to somebody. I think maybe perhaps somebody needs to hear that today um, because we go through just discouragement and difficulties and uh, hardships and know that the Lord's still traveling with you. Call out to him. Look to him. Uh, he wants to work. I want to read to you from Job chapter 5. Um, 
Job, after he had experienced great, great loss, he says, But as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields. He sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. And he says, For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, and his hands make whole. And it's just a wonderful just expression of faith that Job has of the work that God wants to do in binding us up and, and ministering to our hearts in every way. And so I hope that's an encouragement to somebody who really needs to hear it. Let's go to James in Maryland, if he's still holding. James? James, are you there? Okay, let's go to Jordan in Mead. Jordan? Jordan, are you there? He had a question about gifts of, of the Spirit. So does that leave us with all open lines? Okay. All right. Love to talk to you guys. If you get a chance to call back, give me a call. Okay. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number to text line 720-336-0897. Yes, he wants to give us gifts of the Spirit. And um, and that includes, um, I believe that uh, the gifts are available for us today and that the Lord desires to, um, you know, give those gifts according to his will, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the things that is important is to understand the gifts of the Spirit. I think it's an important study, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14, um, and uh, Paul would write to the Corinthian church because there were abuses of the, the use of the gifts. But we get a good understanding that, that God wants to give us gifts, and um, and he desires uh, to use us in the body of Christ. When it comes to the gift of tongues, tongues is the only gift that edifies the individual, and it is man speaking to God. When it comes to prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, it is God speaking to man. So you can look at all those and um and very important for us other gifts that he desires to give us so we can edify the body of Christ as well. Um couple uh things is we're getting close to the end of the show and um that uh there is somebody praying for uh their wife that's very sick and uh coughing heavily and um she's been sick with a fever for several days. So we just pray for Valerie. We just pray that you would bring healing to her, Lord, that you would bless her, that you would help her, and that, Lord, that you would touch her, take the fever away. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just um, do that healing work in her, strengthen her, take the cough away. And I just pray that you would just um, just do that healing work in her. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go to Christine in Florida. Hi, Christine. Christine, are you there? Okay. She's asking about tithing. Okay, we we didn't connect. So I don't know what you're about tithing. So again, without getting the question, we can't really get into it. Um, so we will go back to... Christine, are you there? We're just not connecting there. 
Hey, Christine, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you now. Sorry, we had to try a couple Bye. times to get. Yeah. So how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. You have a question? Yeah, I wanted to get a clear understanding about tithing. Um, I was told that you should tithe from every source of income. And like when you get paid, you should do it from your growth and not your net. And I just need to, I need clarification so that I know I'm doing it correctly. Well, yeah. And, you know, we can get into the very specifics. Tithing, of course, means the tenth. Uh, we know that the Old Testament speaks of tithing. Here's the qualification or here's the, um, the way that we're supposed to give according to the New Testament. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He, he's writing to them about, um, giving. He says, you know, give like the churches in Macedonia give out of their poverty, out of their, um, you know, out of their persecution. They gave willingly and freely for God loves a cheerful giver. So that's what we have as far as, um, the instructions that are given to us in the New Testament as far as giving. Um, tithing is a good, uh, principle. It's a good, uh, thing to, to do. In the Old mm-hmm. Testament, they were to tithe. Paul, uh, not Paul, but, um, Malachi would rebuke the people at the end of the Old Testament and said that you're robbing God. You're keeping the tithe is what you're doing. But in the New Testament, it's very important, whatever it is that we give, and this is kind of a preface of, of, mm-hmm. you know, whether we give out of uh, a net or give out of a hole, to give freely, to give willingly, to give cheerfully uh, is what we're to do. Uh, whether you give a net, whether you give a hole, that's between you and the Lord. Um, it's, mm-hmm. And that's something that, um, you know, if you got a tax um, refund that comes in, or you get, um, you know, some income from, uh, you know, investments or something like that. That's really between you and the Lord what you're going to do. But a general principle is in our tithes and offerings, and I think it's a good principle um, to give 10%, to give 10% of what God has given to you. And, you know, you know, one of the things in the book of Malachi is kind of like, you know, they were given the not the best of their flock. We're to give God the first fruits of our lives, and that includes our resources. And that's where we honor the Lord, uh, given the first fruits. And so, uh, for me, it's like a tithe of, of all that comes in, all that God has blessed me with. And, uh, that's what the conviction that the Lord has given to me, uh, when I give. And I want to be able, though, to do that freely and willingly and cheerfully. Now, that also, you can take into account tithes, but then there's the offerings. And usually, okay. kind of the principles that you, because in the Old Testament, they gave not only a tithe, but they would give the first fruits. They would give of the temple tax and all that. Really, when you add it all up, they would give anywhere between 20 to 25% of what came in. And, you know, you're dealing not just with money, but you're dealing with crops. You're dealing with, you know, your other things like that. So as we give to the Lord, a tithe, a good principle, is usually the tithe goes to the church that you're going to and that is, you know, ministering to you and feeding you and ministering to your 
um, to your family. And then the offerings are on top of that. So you have a tithe and then the offerings that go to, there's wonderful ministries that we can give to that you can support, but that's not a law. You know, that's really again between you and the Lord. And, uh, you know, we encourage people to give the Christian radio. If you're listening on radio by grace, then mm-hmm. give to them. And that's very important is for the work of the kingdom. So it really is, you know, giving what you can, um, you know, even it, it, it's no rule. Okay. It's kind of like $9 is for me and $1 is for you, Lord. Um, and that's it. The Lord may have you give 20%. Uh, put that on your heart. He may have you give uh, 30%. Who knows? But it's between you and the Lord, and those are good principles to take to the Lord and to give freely and willingly. Okay. All right. Thank you. And, you know, so I, I love, you know, the thing that I will say this as far as giving, because sometimes giving can be the hardest thing for people to do. And um, I always encourage people, make that the first thing that you do in the month uh, is, you know, to give that tithe or to give that offering. And what you're going to find is you can't outgive God. Mm-hmm. You can't outgive God. Mm-hmm. And he, he does say that there's blessing. But also, as we give to the kingdom, um, you know, there's the work of God that uh, he wants to do. And, um, I mean, to invest in people getting saved and growing in the Word of God, there's no better investment. And Paul, as he was writing to the church at Philippi, he would thank them for the gift that they gave to him. They were a poor church, and they were being persecuted. And he says that it goes to your account. So we have a heavenly account that we can invest in, and the returns are out of this world. So thanks, Christine. Thanks. I appreciate you you calling. Everybody else that's called, God bless you. I'll be back tomorrow at the same time on Calvary Live. So if you didn't get through, give me a call. Have a good evening. Bye. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.